You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad. And 10 years ago, uh, the Ireland-Canada uh, Immigration Centre uh, it's, was established in Toronto for the whole of Canada. And it is named the Eamon O'Loughlin Irish-Canadian Immigration Centre. And uh, as I say, it was 10 years ago, so it is, has done a lot of work. And Cathy Murphy is the director. But I want to give you a little bit of a, a background on Eamon and the wonderful influence that Eamon had on so many people, uh, not just in Toronto, but right across the country, because while he was a creative influence in so many directions, he was also an, a very accomplished musician, and as a result would arrive in a room, and if there was a piano to be seen or heard, uh, he would become the life and soul of the party in a most wonderful way, and he would radiate. Um, then if when he walked into a room, if there was no piano, he would also radiate, and those around about him would get the benefit of that radiation. And I have to thank Eamon for in getting me, in, uh, enabling me to get into broadcasting, because it was with Eamon's encouragement that I took the steps necessary to... Uh, broadcast on Chin 97.9 FM here in Ottawa, and then ultimately to move on to create Irish Radio Canada. So it is with great pride and joy and honour that I'm delighted that I can devote some time to talking about what is part of Eamon's legacy, which is the Irish-Canadian Immigration Centre. And Cathy Murphy, as I say, is the, she is the Executive Director, and Cathy is here with me. And uh, she's been at the helm there and has guided this wonderful organization through years of growth in so many areas that I would imagine when it was initially established, nobody really knew where this was going. And I would say it's fair to say in looking back, nobody could have imagined where it has got to. So, Cathy, first of all, thanks a million for coming along. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's talk a little about Eamon and how Eamon was the uh, such a driving force and such a, foc of, uh, a focal point for so many in the Irish community. I was going to use that exact phrase, driving force, and I didn't know about your connection and how he inspired you. So I'm, I'm really delighted to hear that. And thanks for sharing. Yes, even before Eamon had the vision for the Immigration Centre and worked so tirelessly to, to get a grant and to make sure that, um, that the centre opened for all of our new arrivals in 2012. Even before that, to your point, he was a huge force in the Toronto Irish community. Uh, he was heading up the Ireland-Canada Chamber of Commerce in Toronto for years and years and years. He was the, uh, you know, he was the voice of that organisation and the force behind it. And to your point, he was also a wonderfully talented musician, but he also mentored so many in other organizations across Toronto and, from my understanding, across Canada. You know, Ireland was always in his heart, and he gave his sweat, blood, and tears for it. He also led groups back to Ireland uh, on a regular basis. And, of course, that the value of the diaspora is to help keep Ireland alive and as a result, Ireland benefits because when people leave, people like Eamon leave, they don't cut their umbilical cord. They share the wonderful heritage that Ireland offers and want to share it and want to bring people back to be a part of it. So he was a huge part of that also. 
I believe that those trips were rather notorious. <laughs> those amazing golf and music trips. There are stories to be told there, but not by me. <laughs> That's, that's, that's right. Some of those who survived should uh, maybe tell those stories. So then, as you say, Eamon was the one that then uh, had the vision and initiated the process to get the centre established. But Eamon came to a very uh, untimely uh, end. He died uh, just in December, it was. I remember, I, I remember the day. And... Uh, most unfortunate, most sad, a very sad day indeed, and a huge loss for the Irish community. Yes, it was a terrible shock, obviously, to dear Madeline and the family, um, and then to all of us in the Irish community who were so blessed to know him. He was the inaugural chair of the Irish-Canadian Immigration Centre, so I did have the privilege of working with him very closely that first year. And, um, you know, without his vision, and, uh, you know, you mentioned that the that perhaps we never knew where the center was going. I will give a tremendous amount of credit to the inaugural board uh, who did from the get-go say that the center should have a national presence. And they did lay out three key pillars in the mandate, that being immigration, social services, and employment. So they had, I mean, those are big, broad categories, but they had that vision from the very start. And then it was, it was up to the board and myself and our wonderful team to build on that. Um, but Eamon and, of course, um, Ray Bassett at the time, who was instrumental in uh, as ambassador as in securing that first emigrant support grant for the centre, these are key players um, without whom the centre would never have come to fruition. And in the 10 years, uh, the number of people that have come through your doors, uh, I doubt, do you keep a record? Like off the top of your head, would you have a number? So our our it's a, it's a it's a complex question and it's it's very answerable. So we um there are about three metrics that we have to measure in terms of our outreach because of the way we do business. So the website is the first metric we measure and we get anywhere from 12 to 16,000 using the digital tools and all our essential guides on our website every year. So that would be more than 130,000 individuals who have accessed those guides over the years. And then we have our Facebook metric, which is huge because that's how we reach the young people across Canada. And that metric is steady at about 10,000 and slightly higher year on year. And there's a turnover there as as kids get settled and maybe don't require our services anymore or as new people come. Um, so we can imagine that that is always a rolling 10,000. And then we deal with clients via phone email and in person, uh, both in Toronto and Vancouver now. And those numbers take us well into the tens of thousands over the last 10 years. And Cathy, over the last 10 years, Ireland has gone through radical upset and settle and upset and settle, as we have here in Canada. And through these types of waves of ups and downs, the ebb and flow of people and their problems is reflected in your clients. So challenges that would have happened 10 years ago, you could never have imagined COVID. You could never have imagined that you would be coping with a young population who had arrived in full of expectations to find they'd fallen off a cliff. Yes, very true. And we, you know, our, our, those three aspects of our mandate, they remain the same, but the way that we've been interfacing with clients in those key areas has completely changed because of COVID. So previously, under our immigration pillar, of course, we occasionally had to deal with uh, individuals who had fallen out of immigration status in Canada. 
under COVID, they were falling at a status weekly because of so many complications. So we, we really had to upscale services from that front, particularly on the legal side. Um, employment, of course, uh, people's lives just exploded and imploded with uh, when COVID hit, and we had to help them navigate the various government benefits and, of course, the wonderful community services in our Irish communities across Canada, the benevolent societies and various groups that came together to support those in need. For example, those um, experiencing issues with paying their rent and facing eviction or those facing food insecurity. And it really was the community that, that helped with that. And it was our job to be aware of those community programs and signpost to them. And then, of course, the social services aspect. I mean, we now have two social care advisors on staff. All of us have been impacted on a mental health level because of COVID. I imagine if you are far from home and you can't get home, especially in emergency circumstances, that you would be suffering far more greatly. Um, and so we really have had to up our game on the mental health and well-being aspect of our mission. Ironically, People that immigrate and arrive in, be it Toronto, Vancouver, Ottawa, Calgary, all these places, they're arriving into a community of Irish. And during COVID particularly, you could be in Toronto and you could be very much alone. Likewise, you have people and they've arrived in places like Grand Prairie and they're isolated on a totally different level. And you're having to deal with the full spectrum of all those type of challenges. Yes, and, and that's where um, I'm very lucky to have our social care advisors in place. Part of their outreach um, is focused on reaching out to those in remote areas and helping them to gain access to services within their local communities. And now there are lots of mental health and well-being services that you can access online and via apps on your phone. And so our terrific National Social Care Advisor has been working to push that information out um, via our social media channels to make sure, to your point, that those who, who may be not readily uh, able to access a wonderful Irish community uh, to get that warm welcome and that cup of tea will have, find other ways of being connected in Canada. Kathy, it's interesting when just as you were saying that, something that dawned on me there was that Eamon was not what I would call a, a techno nerd. Uh, it's not that he was not capable of, of some technology, but he was really not a big techie guy. And yet, in the 10 years since the establishment of the centre, were it not for technology, and particularly as it has evolved in social media, uh, that how you do business, you just said how you do business, is while the pillars of the organization and what you want to do may be the same, how you actually deliver it is, would not have been in your mindset. You couldn't have possibly thought this 10 years ago. Anyone couldn't have. No, I suspect you're right there. I, I, I imagine that when the first board sat down that maybe they weren't, maybe, by the way, uh, they weren't quite clear on how they could deliver on a national mandate, but they knew it had to happen. And yes, the, the digital and social media outreach is a critical part of our toolkit uh, in reaching large numbers of people when we need to get the information out quickly, breaking travel alerts during COVID, uh, critical information around express entry draws for those trying to get permanent residency and who are making important plans for their lives in Canada and need to liaise with their employers about this information. And of course, our informational campaigns around the opioid crisis, which is mm -hmm. continues to rage across this country and across other parts of the world. And with young people coming over and with certain lifestyles, 
especially because this opioid crisis is not raging in Ireland the way it is in Vancouver and Toronto, it behooves us to get that information out and try to protect these young people when they arrive. So these sort of public service announcements and various informational campaigns, they have to be done over social media. Mm-hmm. And uh, also because of COVID, all of our in-person stuff had to go online um, at, with every business, of course. And so our employment seminars in Vancouver and Toronto uh, can't be in person right now. We were able for a while to do some in-person stuff in Vancouver, but of course things are shutting down again. Um, so uh, without the internet, without Zoom and team meetings, we couldn't uh, have provided the kind of service we've been able to provide throughout COVID. And, and I- I'll just say it's probably we're really lucky in a way that we were prepared to go with everything online because it was already uh, how we operated in some cities across Canada. So that piece of COVID wasn't too, too hard for us. And ironically, I suppose one could say that it has allowed you to deliver service at a much richer and broader level. So this crisis, in a way, uh, allowed it to move forward because now should somebody even be in Ireland wanting to access your services because of the online capability they're not waiting until they arrive in toronto or in vancouver or wherever to find they have a problem the ability to connect in advance has been provided i think that's a very good point and if someone has connected with us pre-arrival that dials down their vulnerability upon arrival so Mm -hmm. to your point they're troubleshooting before they even get on the plane Mm -hmm. particularly around employment, um, but also around other things like housing, um, even their long-term plans for Canada, their insurance. So, yes, I think, you know, despite the fact that COVID has obviously been devastating, there have been some opportunities for us to shift and grow. A big part of that has been growing the team in Vancouver and having two people on the ground there um, so that, you know, when the doors can open again with with this fourth wave dials down, we can have that Uh, person-to-person contact as well, and not just digital contact. I think, you know, I've always said we're high-tech, high-touch, and we never want to lose that high-touch piece. It's very, very important. Kathy, I see that one of the areas you also work with is people who are anxious to return to Ireland, and that can often be a challenge in every respect because, um, you know, it's the poet said, romantic Ireland is dead and gone, and yet when people (laughs) Uh, Ireland becomes very romantic and sometimes they get this perception if they go back they're going back to romantic Ireland and it's not quite like that. Fair enough. We added a I suppose about five years ago, we added a drop down to our website, allowing people to access resources uh, on returning home. And our job there is to signpost them to some excellent materials that are available in Ireland from folks like uh, Safe Home Ireland in the West or Crosscare in Dublin. And then, of course, many, many um, informational posts from Citizens Information. So we, we do certainly keep our ear to the ground on the returning to Ireland Peace, and especially, again, around the travel measures and people traveling home over Christmas in terms of what was going to be required, both going and coming back to Canada. So, yeah, that is a a growing piece of our mandate to make sure that people have the tools they need to go back. That's an important part of their journey. And I'll switch back again to uh, people coming in, because, again, over the last two years, uh, we would have seen where there may have been a steady flow and people would have applied for the two-year visa and all that got put on hold. Um, I imagine that the inquiries are starting to come in that as things appear to be easing up and there is hope 
on the horizon uh, that you're starting maybe to see some more traffic from the other side of the Atlantic as regards what and when they might be able to access things here? All of the indicators that we've been tracking on social media certainly suggest that. And we are expecting an influx of new arrivals, the likes of which we haven't seen probably since 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. Um, People who've been waiting to come, people who've been sitting on their letters of introduction for their working holiday permits, or people who have been waiting for the 22 pools to open for the International Experience Canada program. That happened yesterday. So, um, yes, we are expecting a big influx, and we are seeing a lot more people sign on to our webinars from Ireland, and that's a trend we're also tracking. Um, But, yeah, I've prepared the team to expect lots of Lots of traffic to both of our locations in Vancouver and Toronto. And it will be exciting to see people in person again, I must say. You mentioned that uh, mental health is a big issue and it has been uh, something, thank God, that the Irish government have recognized the need to support people abroad. And uh, it is now possible for people within Canada and other countries to contact the Samaritans directly uh, and also um, helping support services. Do you want to talk a little about either of those organizations or how that has um, people have been able to benefit from that? I think there's a lot to be said if you're struggling abroad for being able to pick up the phone and hear a voice that's familiar to you. So if you can call HelpLink, you know, in Galway, if you can reach the Samaritans across Ireland uh, 24-7, you you certainly will get connected to home. And it might calm your initial anxieties around whatever you're facing. We also think that connecting to supports in Canada is really important because if you're in Canada, um, there's, again, that, that face-to-face support is critical. And our social care advisors can first signpost you to those resources in Ireland and then help you to also connect here. And that's part of the immigrant support program's mandate, as you know, is to make sure that not only are they supporting people abroad, but that the organizations that the ESP supports will help young people away from home to access local services in their communities. So that is a big part of our mission. And there's no program, I mean, you know this, I don't have to tell you, but there's nothing like the Emigrant Support Program anywhere else in the world. It's, I work with a lot of other settlement organizations, sort of, you know, intersectoral partners across Canada. We've never seen anything as robust or supportive as the Emigrant Support Program. So, Kathy, at the 10-year juncture, you, you can look back and you can see where it has come from an idea to fruition. As you look forward um, and the hopes and aspirations for the 10 years ahead. Have you looked in that direction and have you guys kind of said, you know, we should be trying to maybe do this and where are you at? So we'll be having strategic planning sessions in the spring. We're in the second year of our current two-year strategic plan, which is, of course, a living document. It's time to revisit it. Uh, to, we obviously revisit, we revisit it every board meeting, but it's time to blue sky again and to think about where this vision could go now. And, of course, keeping the national mandate alive is critical and probably continuing to grow services to the West. So we have um, a employment resources person there at 10 hours a week. We have our social care advisor in the West at 20 hours per week. We need to think about what needs to be upscaled as more and more young people go to Vancouver. So we certainly have our eye on the Pacific Coast in terms of our growth and obviously being able to sustain operations out of our Toronto office. And we always need to be looking at trends. So when when we first opened, it was almost all about Alberta. I mean, of course, 
young people were coming to Toronto. But Alberta and Saskatchewan, those those labor markets were just booming at that time. That that trend shifted around 2017, maybe a little bit earlier. And then Vancouver became a really hot market. So we're keeping an eye on things to see what's coming next so we know where the young people are going. And also the not-so-young people. We get people in their middle ages. We get retirees. Our demographic grows year on year. So that will be part of our strategic planning, keeping our ear to the ground on, on where folks are going across this massive country. So, Kathy, where can people find you guys? So website is www.irishcdn.org. Phone number 416-603-9549. And they can email me anytime, cmurphy at irishcdn.org. I won't tell you how to spell Murphy because I think your listeners know. <laughs> the one thing... One thing we should do, though, you gave a 416 number, but we will also say it's you've got a toll-free 1-877-603-9549. So I'll repeat that again, because if you're outside the Toronto area, 1-877-603-9549. And uh, you're on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. Are there any platforms that... that we not, don't know about this uh, are emerging. <laughs> no, got, no yeah, we've covered it, haven't we? You, you named them all. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Kathy, it's been a real pleasure connecting with you and congratulations on the 10 years. And uh, every success as you get into your strategic plans and develop a vision for the next 10 years. Thank you for the time. Thanks for celebrating with us.